Introducing Otterly. Otterly is an all-analog, multi-LFO module from Expert Sleepers that offers deep and flexible modulation in a compact size. At its core, Otterly delivers four LFOs with different speeds derived from a bass frequency control and spread function. Turning the spread knob clockwise expands the difference in speed between the channels, while turning the speed knob increases the bass frequency of the LFO array. This intuitive two-knob function is a powerful way to create modulation curves which are musically related to one another or mix signals to create a polyrhythmic complex LFO. So if you need modulation sources, Otterly delivers a flexible palette of related waves ready to add movement and texture to any parameter of your patch. With a solid baseline functionality and a handful of quirky tricks, Otterly from Expert Sleepers is sure to get your patch moving and grooving. If you want more information on Otterly, please visit Expert Sleepers online. Link in the show notes.
Hi there, and welcome back to another episode of Podular Modcast. My name is Tim Held, and this week we have Sarah Bell Reed back on the show. And we talk about her new release, Mass, the show that she's playing in Seattle this weekend, which I'm going to. So if you're in the Pacific Northwest, come on out and say hi. Link in the show description. And also her coursework that she does online for Modular Synthesis. Last week, Eric from Needham Woodworks and I collaborated on a little jam where he played some bass and I played some synth lines over it. Uh, it was a whole lot of fun. You may have saw it on Instagram, but I'm going to play a little snippet of that right now and then tell you what I was using in it. So I was using the Wave Transformer from Earthquaker Devices and the Three Body from Schlappy Engineering as my voices. Of course I was using one of the Three Body Oscillator outputs to go into the shape insert on the Wave Transformer. And then I'm using the Neo Trinity from Bastel to not only modulate everything that you hear, but also to play the lead line. So I was using the rate knob that was quantized to the key of the song to just jam with. And honestly, it's like probably the most intuitive and easy way I have noodled within uh, the modular environment. And one of the coolest things about noodling with the Neo Trinity is you can record your lead lines and then they'll just repeat and then you can really quickly erase them so yeah i'm just having so much fun with the wave transformer and the neo trinity from bastel along with all sorts of other really cool modules that i've got recently including the chord pilot and the poly cinematic from nobula but why don't we get into this chat with sarah so i was looking i thought for sure this was going to be your fifth appearance but it's your fourth appearance on PodMod. And for some reason, I feel like there's one missing in there. I don't know. Um, but uh, you haven't been on since March of 2021. Really? So, yeah. Three years? Wait yeah. a second. Is that math? <laughs> and it, yeah. <laughs> don't worry. I'm really bad at it, too. But yeah, this I just is, counted uh, that on my fingers in case anyone was curious. <sighs> I have start. to do that all the time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 happy to have you back on. I feel like um, you know, you've done so many things in the last three years. Like you're always doing stuff. And I feel like we have a lot of things to talk about just before we started recording. I'm stoked to hear you're gonna be playing you said it was called Ground Hum Fest in yes. Seattle. Yep. Oh, and I will put a uh my my chair just like it's doing some weird shit. Um <laughs> The listeners, the the people who are not watching are like, what the hell just happened? Um, but yeah, that will be on March 2nd, Saturday, right. March 2nd. And I'll put a link to that in the show description. So hopefully we'll be able to uh, to meet up in person because we've known each other for got to be five, five years at least. Yeah. Um, you were on early episodes, so we might be getting close to six years of knowing each other. And we've collaborated on a number mm -hmm. of things, actually. We yep. did what? Let's see. We, you were on. 
the uh Mod, Podular, the Modcast and Friends. Yep. That's I was uh, trying to remember the the title of that for, on Mis- record. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> um and then I've done We're going we did, deep into the recesses of our right. brain. <laughs> I can like hear the hamster on the wheel like come uh, on. <laughs> and we did the uh we each did a, a graphic a graphic score, like you sent me one and then I made you a really project. weird one. And yeah. yeah. Um, I actually just found yours recently when I moved. And oh, really? it was really delightful to be reminded oh, of that. Yeah. Nice. I was holding on to it just like three days ago. I was like, oh wow, this is so cool. <laughs> that's good timing. So that's cool. Yeah. And then there was the Strega album. Um Yes. Well, that collaborative well, the imaginative listening. Yeah, yeah. Send, receive. Mm, Send, receive. That's right. That's right. And it was me, Heinbach, and was it Helen of Goldsinger? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I still look at that and I'm like, how did I get in that lineup? But it's, <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, and it was, uh, so for, just since we're, we're going down memory lane here, I had taken the Strega or field recorder out and it was my birthday um, mm-hmm. and I knew I, I had this project to do and my wife was like, we can do whatever you want for your birthday. And I was like, let's go record some stuff to run through the Strega. So I have video of, of that day and uh, yeah, that was, I still look back on that as like a really, really memorable birthday. However, a crow did shit on my head. <laughs> while it was out there. I don't know if I told you about that. You you, you left that detail out, actually. But, so we're like a mile away from the car, and then I just feel this bloop, and I'm like, Hannah, was that what I thought it was? And she's like, yep. It's a well, good I've luck. heard it's good luck. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, that's what she said. So, um, But other than that, it was a fantastic day. Uh, so yeah, I'll put links to all these uh, collaborations we've done in the show description, but I'm also just a huge fan. Um and I'm not sure. I think you might have, might have started, but it wasn't to the level that it is now. But I definitely want to talk to you about your um, like your courses that you do because I see like you're really involved with the people in the courses, and you like promote their stuff that you do together. And um, I just think that's a really really cool um, uh, resource for people to have. Sure. Yeah, happy so, to talk about all of it, any of it. Yeah, I don't even know where to start. I guess catch <laughs> catch me up since the last time oh, okay. we were uh, chatting three years ago. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> Way to ask a, uh, a nice, easy, uh-huh. you know, focused question for someone. That's really good. <laughs> well, the bells were going off in my head. Like Tim, you you met you you tend to talk a little too long at the beginning of the episode. So I was like, maybe I need to cut. I that love down. your opening episode. Uh, I was the only word coming to mind is rambles, which sounds, but no, I like it. it I really appreciate yeah. them. Thank it's you. Nice. It's cozy. <laughs> it's, you know. um, three years. I don't know how to even attempt to answer that question. Um, uh, <laughs> well, I've here, maybe I can music. I've made, I've, <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Where do I begin? I think the last time we were really talking, I don't know if the last time you were on, but it might've been when you were on tour with, um, with, was it Juliana Holter? Julia Holter? Juliana. Yeah. Julia Holter. Julia. Um, so have you been playing with pe- with other people or her more or touring uh, on stuff Gosh. like that? So that must have been before the pandemic, like before okay. COVID. 
That blows my mind. Okay, no, that, so that, that wasn't the last time. The it was last probably time. the second time. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, obviously, things slowed down in that way for a while, as they did for everyone. Um, but I did. A, I, I don't remember exactly when it was. It was November of maybe 2022. <laughs> um, speaking of Julia, uh, she wrote a silent film score to The Passion of Joan of Arc. Oh, That's the cool. silent film. Yeah. with um, That was scored for her, like a small kind of ensemble of, of musicians in her band and a very large chorus. And they we did it in the UK with Opera North, which is an incredible, um, an incredible opera chorus. Uh, so that was really fun. And that was one of the first, it was early on kind of re-emerging back in uh -huh. doing live performances. Mm -hmm. I had done a couple things, a couple of solo things prior to then. Um, but that was one of the first you know, moments of traveling again and playing shows with other people and just being reminded of how special that is. <laughs> yeah. So with, if you were doing stuff with a chorus out there, did you have to go out like a week or two before for rehearsals? Okay. Yeah, we did. Yeah. I think if I remember correctly, we, you know, I rehearsed for a while with her in LA before going out. Gosh, you know, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> I don't remember, but we definitely were out there for a week, about a week or a week and a half before rehearsing with the chorus and putting it all together. Okay. It was a lot of fun. All right. And were you doing trumpet or electronics or a combo of A both? combo. Yeah. Okay. Trumpet and electronics. Yep. Nice. And a little bit of voice nice. through trumpet. I've been doing that a little bit more okay. these days. <laughs> Uh -huh. <laughs> it's like, I can't quite say singing because it doesn't fit into the typical idea of what a person would say if they say they're like a right. singer, but vocalizations right. through tubes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like you've, that's kind of been like, I, I think I even remember asking you like, about, you know, like, oh, you're, you know, you do vocals, you're a great singer. And you're like, no, 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 I'm just, or, I don't know if that, I, I think I remember having that conversation, but I feel like you downplay your vocal vocal oh. uh, aspect to the music. Well, I have been using my voice a lot more and I'm really enjoying it. So nice. maybe that's, maybe yeah. that's more of a thing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to hear that you're, you know, continue, like you're one of the most like exploratory musicians that I think I know. And that's one of my favorite aspects about what you do. So I'm happy to hear that you're just like, yeah, I'll, I got to try everything, you know? So yeah. And I'm a big believer in in just, you know, it's your voice. Like it's part of you. It's an instrument that is so unique to you. And mm -hmm. I think um, obviously I have huge respect for like serious trained vocalists who can have such command over their voice. But I think anyone can use their voice as an instrument if they want to. Like that's something Definitely. that I kind of had to remind myself of early on. I was like, hmm. Well, I'm not, I don't have a ton of control over this, but it doesn't mean I can't explore it and make sounds and, right. you know. But through trumpet playing, you're, you're already got a really good head start on breath control, at least like, you, like you're the apparatus of, you know, um, the breathing yeah. apparatus. But so was the, did the getting into the teaching, the courses thing, was that kind of a, a COVID, like, like I need to do something with my time. I want to interact with people in any way. Is that how that came up? came about? Well, um, I was teaching before, um, 
at a couple of colleges in the U.S. Like I was doing some adjunct teaching uh, electronic music and physical computing and just general music technology type topics. So I knew I loved to teach and that was something that was already a big part of my life. But I will say that with COVID, um, you know, I had, it it kind of was the thing that pushed me to do it then in that way, independently and online. Right. I was like, wow, you know, all of my touring is gone for the next six to 12 to, you know, 500 months. And I have no idea. (laughs) And I love, I've always wanted to do this. Like this was something I wanted Mm -hmm. to do was teach independently of an institution, run my own classes, run my own communities like that. So I just thought, yeah, now's the time. Why not? Okay. (laughs) And how has that experience been? Like, yeah, anything that comes to mind off that question? I mean, because you've been doing it a while and I can tell people are really into it. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it, it, it started, I remember when I ran the first cohort of learning sound and synthesis back in August of 2020. Um, and my, my goal for that cohort was to have, you know, my first 30 students. And that seemed like a crazy impossible, like (laughs) high in the sky kind of thing. Um, but I remember that it happened. I enrolled 30 people and was over the moon. And it was like the most incredible class. I'm still in touch with most of the people who are in that original group. And they're just out doing amazing work and and making amazing music. Um, And I'd never really expected that it would, you know, grow into something as big as it has. But it's been more meaningful to me than I can think I could possibly express. Like it kind of makes yeah. me emotional to just think about it. There are, mm-hmm. we just actually, a couple of days ago, we just um, welcomed our 1000th student what? into the learning sound and synthesis like world, which is just unbelievable, you know? And so that is amazing. These are people who are coming in, you know, sometimes with decades of music experience and they're like, learning something new or getting deeper into it, or at least half, if not more of the students are like, I don't know anything about music. You know, I'm a, um, like I inspect bridges for a living or I'm a, you know, I'm a, a engineer, I'm a computer scientist or whatever. Like they're just people who are doing completely different things. Who've always had this curiosity for sound, music, electronics, and yeah, they're at a point in their lives where they're like, this is it. I want to do this now. I want to learn this. And that's I'm so just, cool. I don't know. It, it makes me feel so happy to be able to play a part in, in that for people. Yeah. Like it I love fills that. me with just so well, much giddiness. <laughs> so you, like you doing that was a, ha- like it, 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 it's been an inspiration to me because I've been kind of on and off trying to develop like my own like my own take on what, like, what could I, cause I want to, you know, as I'm getting older and as I'm doing this longer, I, I too find that I think a lot of the most like meaningful, um, experiences that I get out of my artistic pursuits is, is through, you know, some sort of, uh, collaboration or, you mm-hmm. know, teaching. I have a teaching background all through college. I teach at an electrical apprenticeship. And so I did teach, um, a, uh, an introduction to a Eurorack uh, mm-hmm. workshop at uh, Patchworks. So I'm kind of still developing. I, I kind of want to find something that is like 
because you know obviously you're doing your version and there's like there's a lot of different people out there who different who do their thing so i'm I'm still trying to find like what would be because i don't want to just try to offer something that's already available and you know so I'm, i'm i'm trying to find that but when you were just talking about like the different levels of people coming in how do you ha- so one of the one of the the uh challenges that i had with the intro to your rack was one one person was a, you know a teenage kid who knew nothing you know this is, this is mm-hmm. synthesis is new music mm-hmm. music is new and then other people who are doing hardware stuff for longer than i've been a musician mm-hmm. you know so and it's yeah. like okay well i'm going to teach you about LFOs. So you're going to be real bored for a while, you know? And it's like, so how do, how do you, um, how do you manage that like discrepancy in, in different levels of people's understanding? Well, so I think, uh, logistically something that helps a lot is that the core, the way that the classes run, all of the core training is, in pre-recorded video format that people can go through in their own in their own uh-huh. speed. Now there are also live calls that I get that I do with the group to supplement the pre-recorded okay. curriculum. But because the pre-recorded curriculum is there and it's all v- available at once as soon as someone enrolls, it means that you know someone who's coming into this on day one who who doesn't even know what you know a like signal flow means or what modular synthesis even is. Like I actually just read an introduction post from someone who literally an hour ago, who's like, I don't know how I got here, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm so excited to be here. And so those types of people can go from the beginning, they can watch things on half speed if they need to, and they can watch Mm -hmm. it five times Mm -hmm. and it's okay. And they don't have to feel that awkwardness of like having to stop the class and say, hey, I'm sorry, but I don't get it. Can you tell me what an oscillator is again? Because I was the student, this is something I always tell my students about, is I was the one who didn't get it right away and was too scared to be like, hey, can you say that again? I was the one, whenever a teacher was like, so does anyone have any questions? I was like, me, but I would never be brave enough to put my hand up. And they'd be like, cool, so moving on. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's something I always tell my students too, like just... other like you're if you're worried what other people think it does like you're not that's not why you're here you're here to learn this stuff right exactly so. and i can guarantee i can promise i've been teaching long enough to know that if one person has a question at least 12 other people have the question and exactly. they're too scared to ask or they just don't even know they have the question exactly yet. yes so that is, that is well put there yeah mm-hmm. so so that helps the those folks and then the other folks of course can kind of you know if they wanted to they could move a bit faster through But um, another big thing that we emphasize a lot and that we talk a lot about on the very first call of learning sound synthesis is this idea of like adopting a beginner's mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had students in the class who have decades of experience and they tour and perform live and and make records and, and they're really serious performers and they come in and they watch a video about waveforms and they're open to finding that little golden nugget of knowledge mm-hmm. that they didn't have yet, and they find it every time. And I'm not yeah. saying that I'm like s- telling them some big new secret, but I might just be saying something they've heard 10 times in a slightly new way. Exactly. And it clicks. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's another really big thing is like, and I think the, the students in the class are a perfect example of that kind of mindset where they're like, well, you know. I know a fair amount, but I don't know what I don't know. And so I'm exactly. going to watch these videos again and just mm-hmm. see what else I can 
glean from it. That's cool. Yeah. And you know, it's funny, like, well, and it's not funny. It's just like, that makes so much sense. That's such a, such a great idea to make like the prerequisite stuff. And I had even thought of that, like, you know, making like, um, you know, some sort of like, uh, not textbook, but some sort of, you know, just small text of, you know, words and everything and then send that out early and I, I thought maybe I would do some videos like that um so yeah that's 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 yeah. good to know that that's uh I mean if you're doing it I I personally uh, believe that that's that's the right thing to do I trust I trust your judgment way more than mine so uh thanks for that nugget um you're welcome so what what are the classes like what what is the uh like like what it, like layout of it like for those of uh the listeners who haven't checked it out I don't know about it um, it is, I, I, the first thing that comes to my mind whenever anyone asks me that question, it's kind of like how I feel when you said, what have you been doing for the last three years? Yeah, yeah. Because it is a very, very, very big and deep class. But basically, I mean, so there's, I think if I, there's eight modules and I think okay. I use the word module to refer, it's almost like a chapter, but each one has, you know, 10 to 20 individual lesson videos and workbooks and all of the things broken down. Um, you start off with a history of synthesis over a hundred years of like, what is up with this? What's up with electronic music? Why modular? Why synthesizers? How did these come to be? Listening to a lot of the early pioneers, both in modular synthesis and also tape music and early electronic mm -hmm. music, that blows people's minds because... Mm -hmm. That music's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's some it's, of my favorite music mm -hmm. out there. It's just like, oh my God, it's so crazy. It's funny to think of like the like the earliest, early days of electronic music music. Like if you weren't familiar with it, I think what you were imagining in your head and then what you actually hear. Right. Are, for me, it was way different. I'm like, this is way darker and like just right. it's kind bold. of uh, it's and bold it's like and imposing. Gritty. And yeah, 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 totally. And it's that's awesome. like, I love all of that. Yeah, yeah, it's totally rad. Um, so, okay, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, so that's where we start. And I like to start there because it gives you such a, such so much more of a context for things, right? You Then when you start to learn how your own instruments work, you you know how it fits into like a bigger picture picture and you mm -hmm. you know like whose shoulders are you kind of building on right that's really nice to kind of acknowledge all of the amazing brilliant people who've come <laughs> before us and are building this foundation um then the second module is all about sound and listening and acoustics and how we hear how our ears work and mm -hmm. it is basically like a theory primer for the modular synth musician. So it doesn't teach you like traditional music theory, like G major and like right. major scale, minor scale. It teaches you about like the harmonic series and how, um, you know, frequency works and what that even is and what timbre is and what amplitude is and all of the basic kind of ingredients in a sound and mm -hmm. how to analyze sound and how to look at spectrographs and all of that. And the reason why we do that again is so that before you've even picked up an oscillator, you now understand on like a really deep level, what makes mm -hmm. sound sound? Mm -hmm. <laughs> why does yeah. that sound yeah. vibratey or fluttery or pure or stable? You know, cause mm -hmm. once you can figure that out, the number one goal 
that pretty much all my students have when they come in is I want to be able to make the sounds in my imagination. That's what they yeah. say. I want to yeah. be able to hear something and build it on a synth. Mm -hmm. And learning the tools is only part of that. Like such a big part of it is being able to hear and listen to a sound deeply enough that you can be like, ooh, yeah, that's not just a tone. That's like a kind of buzzy tone with a little bit of a high frequency that comes and goes. And if you listen really closely, there's this like subtone underneath, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But that takes yeah, practice totally. and you kind of need to know the vocabulary and everything. So yeah. that's the second part. Um, and then from there, we get into the actual synthesis, like okay. how to. So then there's, you know, a whole bunch of modules that are dedicated to, you know, as you can imagine, that's a big part of the program, like mm -hmm. how, you know, how to build sound. So oscillators, waveforms, noise, you know, VCAs, all the stuff that comes with working with sound, making complex timbres. And then, of course, modulation and control voltage. How do we move it? How do we shape it? Uh, LFOs, sequencers, clocks, envelopes, mm -hmm. sample and holds, the whole, right. yeah, the whole yeah, yeah. smorgasbord. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, progressing into more and more, like, now you have these tools, so let's talk about how to use them in your own way from scratch. Mm -hmm. So uh, little by little, the step-by-step -step demos turn into guidelines for people to kind of take these ideas and build your own patches from scratch and how mm -hmm. to troubleshoot problems that come up along the way in that sense. Um, and then modules like five and six are focused more on strategies for composition with synthesizers. Okay. Um, so that covers a whole gamut of things, but it, you know, some of the things that are really popular that people love are generative patching techniques. Um, improvisation. So both putting together an instrument that's focused on improvisation and like building patches and interaction that work well in an improvisatory setting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, working with uh, using your modular as like a tape instrument almost. So like recording and then working in a DAW to like um, mm -hmm. cut it up and put it together. Live performance, of course, huge topic. Um, I, you know, we get into the basics of how to get that set up. And then um, finally, <laughs> module <laughs> seven and eight are, you know, module seven was one of those modules that was like one topic to begin with. And then it kind of just ballooned and it's kind of like a little extra course that's added on to the end um, okay. about integrating with the external world. So I teach everything in VCV rack because it's free and amazing and accessible mm -hmm. to everyone. That way all my students have like the same yeah. baseline, right? Um, but there comes a point when everyone wants to integrate with other things. So m in module seven, it's all about like hooking up your own, uh, you know, your MIDI controllers or your external instruments or connecting your acoustic trumpet or your voice mm -hmm. or your guitar mm -hmm. in with your modular. Um, or using, you know, whatever, field recordings and modular synths and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, it, it, it keeps, it just kind of keeps expanding. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> I keep telling people I'm not going to add more things, but I keep adding more things. Um, I put in the last cohort, I added a drum synthesis mini course, which is like a little okay, intensive cool. six-part training on making, you know, kick drums and hi-hats and snare sounds and like crazy Bukla bongos and glitchy drums mm -hmm. and all of that. Yeah. So 
That was way too I, long of an answer, I think. No, I'm that, was, that, that was, was fantastic. Okay. No, I, um, <laughs> I love that you do like the actual like physics physics side of sound because I, at, at the uh, electrical apprenticeship that I teach at one of the classes I do is uh, it's called sound distribution because you know as as low voltage uh, electricians oftentimes you know you'll do AV installs for places or whatever um, but luckily for me uh, the first two days first three days of the class the first night is just like talking about com- uh, compression and rarefaction and transduction mm-hmm. from physical to electrical energy and being like, look, a microphone and a speaker are actually the same exact mm-hmm. thing. And they're just, you know, you just do the wiring a little differently and your eardrum is actually just like the diaphragm on the microphone. And like having taught that now for like, you know, four or five years, it's amazing how much teaching the same lesson I get better at it. I, I actually start to understand what I'm teaching more and it is applied to my approach to synthesis like intensely. So right. now like when I was building out this, that's part of this course that I'm trying to like imagine and build out is like how much of this do I want to incorporate? And then I just keep going back to, I think it is incredibly important, you know? Um, yeah. Cause especially, you know, if you, if like you were talking with amplitude, frequency and everything, like if you understand what amplitude is and what frequency is, like you really get the difference between what they are and what those things are talking about. Like you will understand effects better. You will understand like, yeah. okay, now I understand what a filter is. And, um, exactly. yeah, so I think that's super, and, and, you know, just being like, you know, an LFO and a VCO, well, that that O is the same thing, just one, so, you, you know, teaching, like, we hear from 20 to 20K hertz, you know? Yeah, so like, exactly, exactly. Um, super uh, important. So I'm stoked to hear you're doing that. Um, yeah. Because I think I'm that really, also just allows you to imagine, it opens your imagination more, I think. Exactly, yes. Yeah, I'm. I'm such a big fan of not just teaching, like, what or how, but why, you know? Like, mm-hmm. why do our ears hear the way that we do? And like, why does a, you know, why does a panner work the way that we do? Another, you know, another approach that I take whenever I introduce a tool, um, like a panner, a panner is actually a great example, or, you know, different effects like a flanger versus a chorus or something, Mm -hmm. Um, or a delay versus a reverb. I always like to show, you know, here's the module that moves your sound. Here's like a pan module you can use to move sound from left to right. But did you ever think about the fact that what panning actually is, is just like rebalancing the loudness of the sound, you know, in the left or right speakers relative to Mm -hmm. one another. So let's play with some different ways without using a pan module to create really cool stereo image effects. So Mm. let's use two filters and let's roll frequencies off and left and right. And like, lo and behold, it's moving across the stereo field. Or let's use two delays and modulate them ever so slightly so that when one comes up, the other goes down in the left and right ear. And then you get into, yeah, just different cool binaural techniques and things like that. But once you learn like, oh, dang, I can you know, I can make my sound pan without a panner, or I can make a bandpass filter by combining a low pass filter and a high pass filter together in a clever way. Then you have, like you said, your imagination is wide open. You're like, well, what else can I do? Mm-hmm. And the other thing that it it really does is it helps people realize that like 
you know, they're not limited to the stuff they have. It's not all about, well, I can't pan until I have yes. the cool new panning module. <laughs> mm-hmm, it's like, mm-hmm. well, let me use the tools that I do have in a clever way and get more out of them than is written on the panel. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. To- absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you, uh, th- now I'm just going to get really, really nerdy, but like, do you cover like things like, uh, the Fletcher Munson equal loudness contours curve and stuff like that. Do you get like super nitty gritty with it? Um, <laughs> I, I love say- just saying that string of words and especially to like one of the few people that I know that probably knows exactly what I'm talking about. I'm but. just going to, I'm just going to say, yes, yes, we, we go there. Um, okay. <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty silly. It's not silly. It's wonderful. What am I saying? It's, yeah, it's great. It's amazing. But yeah, it, we're very, it's a very nerdy, um, it's a very nerdy class. And I will say that the nerdier and more nitty gritty into things I get, the giddier that I tend to get about teaching them. Same so, um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, did so you see hard, the glean in my that. eye when I yeah, said you Fletcher like- Munson equally? Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, knowledge is is just it's just a gateway to more creativity, right? Not to sound like mm-hmm. a total cornball, but um Yeah. I well, believe it's, that. It's, so. I do too. And it's funny because like as you know, uh a kid who got into guitar and, you know, punk rock and alternative rock grunge and all that stuff at the, you know, there was this like, there was always this like lore of like, yeah, this person's self-taught. They don't know anything about music. They're just like, they just do this. And it's like, if somebody writes music and it's listen toable <laughs> by other people, like it, it, it's like, yeah, they can't tell you maybe what they're doing in, th- in music theory terms, but like they obviously understand it because like the song is in the same key. And, you know, there was always this, I, I'm, I'm feel very lucky to have shed this um, early, but not as early as I would have liked, but um, people think that if you learn theory, it's going to take away your creativity or learn like how things work. It's going to like, and it's like, it's, it's only going to just make your toolkit more broad. Like your brain is going to be like, you're still going to have the same, you know, we're always changing, but like that, what it's only going to be positive, you know, learn the rules and then break them because you know what rules and break them. Yeah. I say that all the time. And also, you know, there's another there's another side to what you just said that's been something I've been really thinking a lot about lately, which is that there's um, I remember when I was first learning modular synths in particular, I had kind of heard some of this belief or some of this idea that like, you know, the best music is made by people who are self-taught, you know, and and I don't know where it, uh, it's not something that I, I think amazing music is made by people who are self-taught and amazing music is made by people who have teachers and training. So it's not about how you learn, but I really did kind of subscribe to this belief for a while. Mm -hmm. And the effect that it had on me was needless. um, I was needlessly hard on myself. Like I I was like, well, if I'm supposed to be able to be self-taught, on this instrument. If that's like the legit way to learn a modular is just to somehow plug it in and intuit my way around, then mm-hmm. clearly I'm too stupid for this because that's not <laughs> like, like let me tell you, I couldn't even turn yeah, it, yeah. I couldn't even figure out how to turn it on at first. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, and, I mean, how uh, much time did you spend putting a VCO into an envelope? Oh Not my god! The envelope into I, the VCO. Like I did that. I was like, wait a minute, this isn't days. working. Yeah. So many, yeah. <laughs> and 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 that's it. And so it's like. You know that's fine. Some some people uh, really do work well in in a self taught way. But I think if there's anyone who's you know listening who maybe feels or has been told that that is the correct or most legitimate way to learn, and you are not making the progress you want to be making, just I really want to say it's okay to like ask for help. In fact, it's fantastic. Yeah, because it yeah. will shorten the the journey. You'll spend less time, you know, troubleshooting and. And putting oscillators into envelopes and more time making music. And, and that's a win-win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And smart so. people say, I don't know, often. More often than people who maybe are suffering from Dunning-Kruger syndrome or something, you know? Like, yeah. so. Um, yeah, I wish I had embraced that earlier. It took me a long time to kind of get yeah. over the fear of being a beginner without any clue what I was doing. But as soon as mm-hmm. I embraced it and I was like, okay, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. Who wants to help? <laughs> I realized yeah, yeah. there are people out there who want to help. <laughs> well, there's like, this is just me personally. And I know, uh, you know, I know I'm not alone in this, but I think there's also a part of you, like it was, it were, there were two kind of self-defense mechanisms built into this, this approach that I had of like, one, if you do something great, then people will say, hey, that great thing this this great person did, um, mm-hmm. th- that's just their genius because they didn't learn how to do that. And that's mm. that's ridiculous because no one says that. That's just what you're hoping people will say when you're like totally like in the ego. Um, but also the other side of that, I guess they're kind of the two sides of the same coin is like, if it's not great, well, you can always say, yeah, well, I don't know what I'm doing. And I've, mm. I've, I caught that, I caught myself doing that well into even doing this podcast, you know? Um, and I, you know, started realizing, well, that's, that's a bunch of bullshit. Um, you know, that's bullshit that I'm, I'm making, you know, for myself. So yeah, I've, I've over the last like year and a half really have like been, you know, trying to learn more about music theory and everything. And I'm writing more interesting. I'm actually being able to do on guitar what I've wanted to do I've always like my the the mechanical side of guitar I've been good at for a long time, but now it's like, okay, I'm finally yeah. making the sounds that I've been after that that predate my interest in modular and everything. So it's like that's yeah, awesome. Learn, good for you. Stuff. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm stoked. Um, that's awesome. I one of my students said that the the fastest way, what was it? It was so good. I don't want to butcher the quote, but it was something like the fastest way to get good at something is to be really good at being bad at something at first <laughs> yeah. or something. It was something along those lines that I was just like, yeah, he- heck yeah. That's awesome. I mm-hmm. love that. Yeah. Something along those lines. First. Yeah. And I think pe- a lot of people, cause you know, getting into stuff like this, especially modular because it's so intimidating looking from the outside, it, you know, it is a complicated instrument. Let's not, you know, yeah. let's not say totally. it isn't, but it's also, you know, it's not as complicated as it looks or sounds when you hear people talking about it when you don't know anything yet. But like, you know, it just builds on itself. And to everybody out there listening who wants to make stuff, but they're like, I know it's going to be bad. I'm I'm not going to say, well, no, it's not. I'm going to say, prove yourself, prove yourself right. Make the worst thing. Like if lean into it, make it so bad then. Like if it's going to be so bad, you're so confident that you can make something so bad. Show me how bad it's going to be, you know? (laughs) And then like, yeah. 
I think that, you know, because it's, you know, perspectives, you know, like just looking, you're on top of a hill looking that way. Well, there's a view, you know, turn 180 degrees around and you got a different view, you know, and exactly um, right. The only thing that will ever guarantee that you won't make good music is, is not trying. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. And like, if you take (laughs) some kind of imperfect action, you know, the thing that, that tricks my brain or the, the way that I've gotten myself to make music over the last couple of years is to be like, look, Sarah, I'm not trying to make perfect music. I'm not trying to do anything to that level, I'm going to intentionally take imperfect action. So I'm going to intentionally make messy moves and, mm-hmm. you know, probably release something before it could be as perfectly mixed as it could be. But I'm intentionally letting go of things to make, to to prioritize action over no- nothing. That is <laughs> right? an inc- That yes. standstill. So many people are yeah. right there where what you're talking about. Yeah. It works. Yeah. yeah. Do you mind <laughs> because if I you're pause moving. really quick? No, no, no. I am. I f- I'm so sorry. I. Uh, <laughs> all right. So we paused, right? And I've only had enough time in my pause, in our pause, for this this thought to come in. But I think I'm going to see if I can link this thought that I just had to everything that we're talking about. Um. So. Every once in a while, I do these podcasts all the time. They're long. I drink my morning coffee a lot of the time, and I try to be good about you know going to the bathroom before I start them. But sometimes I'm midway through and I like I gotta pee real bad, and I don't want to. The this person's giving me their time that I owe them my attention, <laughs> right? So there's been so many times that I've pretended that somebody was knocking at the door or something <laughs> because I. So I'm I'm just happy. I was like, well. I feel comfortable, Sarah. I can be like, Sarah, I'm sorry. I have to pee really bad. I'll be right back. Um, And I think this, the way I'm going to tie this in is that weird excuse that I was making that was a lie, but a white lie, a harmless lie, but like, why? Like, Hmm. why did I feel the need to do that? And I feel like that can even, you can have that kind of mindset with maybe asking a question. You could find... You know, you could try to create some way to ask a question that you think doesn't make you look as dumb or something, right. you know, and it's like, it's so much better just to be like, yeah, I got to pee. So that's, that's the Tim Held method is the, I got to pee method. Um, I don't it. know. I might have to edit this part out. I, did that make any sense? Like I said. Yeah, I, I, I got you. <laughs> it's, 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 it's about just, you know, owning where you're at with things. Uh-huh. And saying what you need to say, yeah, as opposed to uh, yeah, making up some yeah. kind of. I get it. I get it. You're probably in a better place now than you were a, a couple. Yes. Of, there you go. Yeah, because we're also. This always happens when I have uh, with when I have friends returning to the show, but it flies by. So we're 40 minutes in, and we haven't really got to the thing that you know we 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 uh, decided, you know, hey, we should get together and talk because this thing's <laughs> happening. But before we get to that, um, I just want one more question about the uh, the uh, the class, like or the coursework. So is there something that kind of at the end, everybody produces a song or does something? Is there kind of like an end project or anything like that? There are so many different ways I can answer this question. There's not one end project. There are, um, after every single module, there are workbooks that have a whole bunch of different little exercises 
creative exercises, technical exercises, written prompts for like kind of unpacking your own creative ideas and putting them into action. So there are lots of milestone projects and exercises along the way. And they're really, really, they're really cool. People share them kind of as they're going through. The other thing though, that I'll say that's a little more of like a culmination type thing. um, We have, in addition to the course material, there is an honestly amazing community. And yes, I am biased because it's a community that I have poured my heart and soul into, but it is just the Mm -hmm. coolest corner of the internet. And there are (laughs) people in it Um, when you become a learning sound and synthesis student, you have lifetime access to the course and the community. So what that means is that there are people from that first inaugural 2020 cohort who are still hanging out and still sharing ideas and still collaborating with the people who just enrolled yesterday. And it makes for this beautiful, rich community. We do community events, um, because it's such a fun group of people, we we do all kinds of hangs. So we have open mics where people can come and play, you know, their music on Zoom. And a lot of people have had their first performances that way. Uh, people come and do like patch demos. So they'll walk the group through their favorite cool patch that they just discovered or just made. Cool. Um, we do like listening parties so people can share their music. We do uh, just like games you know, Zoom games where people kind of patch together. Uh, a, a bunch of students self-organized last cohort and made um, a learning sound and synthesis radio station where they were all doing these really amazing uh, kind of transmission-based pieces where they were like, like choose your favorite historical electronic musician and make something inspired by them. And then let's edit them all together and mix them all together and make a big piece and put it on an internet radio. And so honestly- That is awesome. Yeah. It just blows my mind to see. And the best is yet to come, as I like to say, because with every group, it just gets even more vibrant and creative and supportive. Um, That's so cool. It's a special place. And how many times, like, so how long is the course? So how many happen like in a year, say? Two Two per year. Two per year. Okay. Yeah. In terms of how long is the course, that question is a bit funny because, again, there's this whole lifetime access thing, and it's really the emphasis is on doing it at your speed. Uh, Mm -hmm. So some people go through the whole class in three to four months. I think that would be the fastest you you would go through it. Uh, Some people take three years, and it really doesn't matter what, what speed you go at. Um, but I technically okay. run, like I open it for enrollment twice a year. Okay. If that makes right sense. On. So, yeah. yeah. Totally. Very cool. Well, um, I, I imagine there are a lot of people listening out there who have taken interest. So I hope, I hope they follow through on that interest. Yeah. Go check this out. Um, so let's talk about mass before okay. we get into, I don't, is it mass two? Um, can you can you give us like a a brief outline of the original project? The original project, sure. So, twenty twenty one, mass is I think when that I just said that sentence in the wrong order, but um, let me try again. <laughs> so, <laughs> aren't brains fascinating? They're they're weird. Um, yeah. So that was me patching the oscillator into the envelope. I don't know what just happened. Um, <laughs> Well, I could have edited that out, but now you just made a really good joke, so I got to leave it in. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to rewind. Okay. So the original Mass EP was a three-track EP that I made in 2021. And the 
idea behind it or the kind of origin behind it, I guess, I was moving across the country. Um, all of my stuff was in storage. Um, I had a, a microphone. This actually, I had this microphone. I had um, my flugelhorn, which people who know me know that that instrument is basically with me all the time. It's like right uh -huh. here. It's just <laughs> such a cool thing. Um, and uh, a little audio interface. And then I also had the Strega, the Make Noise Strega, mm -hmm. because it was getting released like right around that time. So I that was, was going to say, one... I think Mass and um, Send Receive were, were pretty close in exactly. release date. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I had that instrument because it was kind of getting ready to be released. And so it was one of the mm -hmm. ones that I had kind of with me in my suitcase. Um, and I had this idea of, well, first of all, I was really enjoying the simplicity of this setup. Like I was just finding so many amazing sounds and just loving it. Mm -hmm. But then I also was like, what would it be like? Is it possible to make an album in a short period of time? question mark for me up until <laughs> that point in my life it was not possible my first yeah. album was like years and years in the making and I just was like I don't know maybe and let's see let's see what happens if we just try to make music and release an album and do the whole thing in like a month <laughs> or uh <-huh>. two <laughs> and so that's like what that. yeah it was really gratifying and challenging but amazing um so that was where that project started and it was a digital EP that had three tracks on it and they were really inspired by old tape music which we've been talking about a lot already in mm -hmm. this conversation um you know some of the sounds that I was hearing like Elsa Marie Pade make like early old electronic music or Daphne Oram some of her scarier music <laughs> yeah she's um, got some scary stuff she does it's so mm -hmm. cool um <laughs> And like all just anyway, all of this, all of this, these crazy sort of almost horror inspired kind of, but beautiful, noisy sound worlds. Um, uh -huh. Yeah. So that that's where it started. And then it was a really uh, fun album to put together. And then a couple of years later, maybe a year and a half later, uh, a really great um, and creative record label based in Monterey, Mexico, uh, Aurora Central Records reached out to me and they expressed interest in doing the first physical release of Mass. And I really love what they're doing because they're all about small imprints and, you know, doing things that are just very uh, like artifact focused. So mm -hmm. they'll kind of yeah, do whatever yeah. you want to create, you know, five of these and 10 of those. And I just, I love that kind of That is, vibe. Oh yeah, I want to look, I want to look, I want to look their stuff up. That sounds yeah. amazing. Yeah. They've released some, they're doing a lot of like Mersbo uh, reissues and just oh, a lot cool. of really cool stuff. Definitely right. worth checking out. Um, and so then we started talking about it and, uh, and we had the idea like, well, why don't we expand the project and make it a full-length album instead of just re-releasing the exact same EP? Like, let's turn it into something new. And um, and that's what we did. So, <laughs> Okay, I, cool. Yeah. So did you make new tracks with the same setup? Yes. Slightly different, okay. I guess. Like, uh -huh. But it's still Strega is the main instrument. Uh, there's two new tracks. Um Vessel and Sublimate are the two new tracks added on. And one of them was made in 
a fifth order ambisonic dome at Arizona State University, which was just an incredible experience. I don't even um, know what that means. I have to look that up, but continue. Frantic Googling. Well, I can <laughs> tell you what it means if you want. <laughs> well, I got to see a picture of it while you're talking about it. So, Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, an ambisonic, dome. like a dome, an ambisonic dome is just like a dome, like a, like a, the kind that you would see at like, I don't know, like Burning Man or something, but uh-huh. it's just like <laughs> big, oh, I see, yeah, yeah, big enough uh-huh. for like an audience of people to be inside, and um, instead of like cool trippy LED lights, you have uh, like speakers, all, you know, all around it, so that you have a like you know three dimensional sound field that you're working in, where your sounds can move left to right, forward, backward, and also up and all around you and over your head. Oh my God. That's amazing. And the order part, like fifth order, third order, just refers to sort of the number, the array of speakers or the number of speakers that you're working with. Okay. So fifth order is pretty high. There were, I don't remember the exact number of speakers, but it was a lot. It was a mind-boggling So this is still in stereo or is this like in quad? It is in stereo. Uh, the album okay. we did a, I, so it was composed in the dome, and there's an ambisonic version of it um, that I haven't released yet, but it has sort of traveled around to different ambisonic spaces okay. uh, for playback, for like a, as like a fixed media piece. Um, but on mass, the remastered and extended album, we did. I did a new mix for stereo. Okay, basically that makes Just, sense. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, that's the that's the really like unfortunate thing about just how we how we consume you know sound at, you know as consumers in our day to day like quad is not really like feasible I guess you mean you don't have an ambisonic dome in your yeah, house yeah right <laughs> I am working on a quad album actually that I haven't told anyone about yet um, but. So we're, I'm crossing that bridge. I'm I'm working that out right now. Okay, like very how cool. to release music in quad, and also maybe do it justice in stereo as well. I'm just trying to decide mm-hmm. how to do all that. It's interesting. Yeah, that's something I've been meaning to look. Speaking of like um, learning, I haven't taken my our our advice that we've been giving throughout this podcast uh, yet to figure this out. But I know you can, you know, just through like EQing and and panning, like get a, a more, you know, yeah. like the 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 illusion that something sounds like it's not just to the left, but kind of to the left and behind you or something. Totally, um, I need to. And look there that are a lot because... of great plugins that can that can really help with that kind of right. stuff as well. Um, but. But anyway, yeah, so that was one track on the album. And then the other one I just made in my studio, <laughs> not okay. in a dome. Um, <laughs> and it all they all feature the same, the same sound world, you know, um, household objects amplified through and reamplified through Strega, things like little plastic ratchets and chattering teeth. You can't, it's off camera, but I have a shelf here in my studio that has like a bunch of little squeaky rubber ducks and plastic teeth and <laughs> little ratchets that you get in like, like a, like a kinder egg surprise, like just like little yeah. toys, like little things oh like that. God. And um, it's my most precious sound design area. Like when people ask me like, Sarah, what's your favorite desert island instrument? They're probably expecting me to say something like, you know, my fancy, whatever, whatever. I'm like, I don't know, my plastic right. tooth combs and my... <laughs> My cactus and my contact mic. I really love those. Those are. I'm 
I'm sure you know of this thing, but I'm I'm just got to show you in case that you you don't. Um, but the uh, the coma. Um, what yes. is the actual name? Is it the field effects? The field kit? The field kit. Yeah. So it has this DC driver interface. So you can plug motors and use CV to use motors and stuff. So, right. Um, I've been I've been meaning to like build a little instrument that like a physical instrument that I can play with this. But oh, yeah. Do it. Fun. Amazing. Yeah. Um, sorry, I derailed you, I think. Uh, no, I was just talking about all my favorite little toys. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, not like I know, like, cause both of us were part of like the, uh, like the promotional rolling out of Strega. Um, so, you know, obviously I don't even know. I feel like I probably don't have to qualify this, but you know, yes, we were, you know, working with make noise to help promote this new thing, but the Strega is you know that that's been years now it is still like never yeah. not part of my system um yeah. and yeah it's cool to see here that you're still like like because i remember you and i talking about it just back and forth before you know not publicly or anything just like because no one like four people had it and we yeah. were just like wanted to talk about it um yeah. but we were both pretty enamored with it when we got it and so yeah like yeah. Uh, I guess, can you speak to that a little more? Like, obviously you're still using it a whole lot, but. Oh yeah. All the time. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, gosh, I mean, where do I even begin? I mean, it, uh, it just sounds so crazy. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, when I first got it, I, I remember when I first got it and I first listened to the delay I actually didn't like it. I think I, I think I, I talked about this a little bit publicly as well, because it was so noisy and colorful and characterful, and I was mm -hmm. like used to using pretty clean delays. And this is not a clean delay. It's like hissy and not hazy and murky and like yeah. warbly and really weird. Um, and then I started to realize that I was, what I realized I was doing was I was like imposing this idea of like what a delay should be onto this thing, which was its own instrument with its own voice. And then as mm -hmm. soon as I started to realize that and be like, okay, Strega, you know, show me what you got. <laughs> like, what yeah, are yeah. you all about? <laughs> um, I was reminded of, there's this David Tudor quote that I, I'm always bringing up because I just think it's so lovely um, from an interview he did where he was talking about how instead of trying to push himself onto an instrument and control an instrument, he will approach them and kind of see like, what does the instrument want me to hear? Mm -hmm. I and like I just that. think that's a really beautiful way of approaching, especially a modular synth, which is so unpredictable, you know, no matter what, mm -hmm. even if you've been using it for decades, right? There's always yeah. like a surprise. And then one that's designed to be so kind of. Right, like, which the like Strega is. is. Mm -hmm. I think so. Yeah. I think it's designed to be a little bit, you know, the controls are kind of obfuscated. They don't use the most obvious or uh, clear language to say this is an oscillator. It's like, no, mm -hmm. they're using mm -hmm. different words. And I think they're doing that on purpose. It creates this, a little bit of a sense of whimsy and like mystery. Mm -hmm. um, so I just stopped approaching it like it was supposed to do something. And I started to like self-patch it and create all these gnarly feedback loops. And I started to run all of these crazy weird sounds into it. And that's when it came alive. And yeah. that's how I use it predominantly. I 
I actually don't often use the oscillator. Um, it's a fine say that. oscillator, yeah. but I, I use the external input. I use it as like a feedback machine or in in inside of a larger feedback loop, like with other pedals and other instruments. And yeah, I use it to reamplify sound. And I think it's just got so much character. That's been a huge, so, you know, because it has the external audio input and then it has the envelope follower on it. That's like how I how I mostly use it. I've recently, because that oscillator with the the Strega tones, like that is, it's funny because that, that delay, especially when you start getting into the really slow speeds um, and you have your like the absorb up and everything, like it's one of those instruments that like that that sound is a strega sound like oh for sure i've never yeah. heard anything else that sounds like it and then kind of the same with the oscillator like tony rolando sent me a, now this is like his third most recent album but um and I, there was just this part <laughs> where i was just like this is so clearly like the strega being strega in such an amazing way um but yeah I just that, that external yeah i don't even i never like actually now that we're talking about it like i want to start exploring the the touch pads more because that is such a cool aspect of it but i don't and you know really what you can do use those. that's kind of cool with those is uh i found that if you patch <laughs> i don't know if this is this is like kosher i'm not sure but if you <laughs> patch cables into some of the modulation inputs and like don't patch the other side in you mm -hmm. can make intermittent connections just by like holding or touching the end of the three of the jack, uh -huh. the pl like plug, I guess, or yeah, the 3.5 millimeter cable. And then you could also make different connections by like bridging the. Yeah. The you could base. actually even use a, a cable to not plug into anything and just run from, you know, well, you plug it into a totally different module and just touch the other end of one of the things. Exactly. Or I think you can do stuff like. Or touch yeah, the cable wild. on the touch plate. Anyway, there's a lot of fun yeah. stuff. And when you do that, you start to play differently than if you're just tr relying exclusively on the touch plates. Absolutely. Yeah. Have you messed with the Bestie from Bastel? Because it's like a no input. There's like a channel that's. I no, think you'd no, have a lot of fun. Because just like Strega, like the. The no input feedback that you get from that channel that's designed from it is a signature sound that is a, a lovely, lovely sound. Like, right. I think I, I've thought cool. of you a couple times using it. I'm like, <laughs> I wonder if Sarah's checked this out because I think she'd be into it. I do um, like some feedback. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so when does when does this uh, when does uh, the the full length of Mass come out? Like, and and what kind oh, of physical stuff do we right. have? I forgot it. it. We were talking about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it comes out on March first. March first. Um, oh, right before uh, your your show in Seattle. Okay. Exactly. Uh, that's a beautiful coincidence. It's. I wish I could say that was all planned and strategic, but it's just the way <laughs> the world works. Thank you, world. Um, no, yeah, it comes out on March first, and it is coming out on vinyl and on cassette. Um, nice. Nice. So I'm really excited about both of those. And there are still a few cassettes left, but not very many. Uh, okay, I was like going to say, I might 15 like... 15 maybe? Yeah. I was going to say, I'm going to go order mine before this comes <laughs> out to make sure. I've done that with something of yours before. I forgot what it was, but it was like, we were talking and right when we were done, I was like, I'm going to go get one because those are going to be gone by the time. Yeah, yeah. do pre-order. <laughs> um I, can I tell you something really f exciting to me? This is like the dorkiest thing in the world about the cassettes. Um, yeah. 
So what we decided to do just for fun is we have one like Willy Wonka cassette inside. There's a there was a hundred cassettes that we made and there's uh -huh. one platinum mirrored cassette. And what? I'm calling it the Willy Wonka cassette because whoever gets it, it hasn't been claimed yet. We don't know uh -huh. if it's been sent out. I'm not sure. But um, whoever gets the mirrored Willy Wonka cassette is going to get a test pressing for free. And there's only oh, like, cool. I think, five of those that exist. I have one. The label has one. And we're selling. The label sells a couple of test pressings to help fund future projects. But right. there's one that, that we're going to give away. Um, and an original graphic score that I'm going to create oh, for cool. the person who finds it. So basically, if you're nice. listening to this and you ordered a tape, and yours was like really shiny and has a mirrored finish, it means you got the Willy Wonka tape. Yeah. Oh, so that's send so me a cool. message and let me know or send the label a message. <laughs> so I love can... that. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, I mean, I, we're, we're over an hour and I feel like we did it. But if you uh, feel like, well, maybe we didn't fully do it. Was there anything you want to scream from the modular mountaintops? Oh my gosh. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Just, uh. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know what? I, I, I just want to say thanks to you, Tim, for doing this. It's really amazing that you're, You've done. You've just been doing this for so long, and as a result, have built such an amazing thing and an amazing community. And you're so fun and positive to talk to. So thanks for oh, like existing and doing your thing and asking all of these questions. And yeah, I know it's well, really appreciated. I I really appreciate that. And there was something that I was gonna just save for the intro because I didn't want to like put you on the spot or you know. You know, because sometimes being told stuff like like that, that's nice, but it, you, you can make you a little squirmy. You know, like I really appreciate that, and I uh, I don't just believe this. I know that, like I know you have such a such a deep knowledge and deep respect for all of the pioneers that you know that we all in this world look at and think of as these you know legend legendary incredibly important people and you are the, one of those people to future synthesists like there's no doubt like you are going to be part of this conversation for as long as this conversation is being had so i think it's been awesome Thank to you. get to know you for these years and see that build and build and build it to where you are now so yeah right back at you that's very kind i really appreciate it <laughs> um follow the sound i can't say that without saying hi to todd barton but follow the sound <laughs> todd is yeah i love todd so much like just, i always think like i i just want to go visit him down and i've even looked up at campgrounds and stuff but i haven't told him this so todd if you're listening <laughs> i, I want to come camp down and down in Asheville and hang out with you we had an amazing but, hang uh sometime last year while i was doing a little like Bukla research circuit on the West uh -huh. Coast. And I stopped in between Mills College and the University of Victoria. Ashland was my mm -hmm. stopover. And I said hi to, to Todd. Oh, I hope I didn't say Asheville because I know it's Ashland. I don't think you did. I don't okay, think you cool. did. I don't know. Um, anyway, anyway, I, now I'm rambling. Oh, but. you and I are good at that, um, especially when we get together. But uh, thank you so much again for coming back to the show and good luck with all this, the upcoming stuff. 
Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, that's our show. Thank you so much to Sarah for coming back on. Thank you for coming back and listening. Don't forget, you can still support Patchworks on their GoFundMe page. You can support PodMod over at patreon.com forward slash modcast, or you can go support any one of our myriad sponsors by visiting the links in the show description. Don't forget to send me your track if you want to be a featured artist on PodMod. That is podmodsub at gmail.com if you'd like to get in touch. Wave files only, please. If you're in the Pacific Northwest, why don't you come out to the show this weekend? Say hi to me and Sarah. Congratulations to Oz over at Expert Sleepers on the release of The Otterly. Looks like a really, really cool LFO, and I can't wait to give it a shot. This week's secret word is Zojo. Z-O-J-O. Until next week. I thought I thought we talked about this and like we've I thought we were past this. I thought we had like a really fun day hanging out after our serious conversation, and that was the last time we've seen or talked to each other, and now you're showing up saying you're pissed again, so it's just kind of confusing for me. And that's my fing code, by the way, and I want it back. No, no, I said you could borrow it. There are strict rules. I could get in trouble.